This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 48. And the quote of the day is from my man, Bernard Pretty Purdy, who said, your job is to hold the band together. Your job is to support everybody in that band. It's your job to give the band what they want when they need it. Always. That's your role. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information. Education and motivation for drumming and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and I'm really excited about our guest today. We have Mark Shulman on the show, and for those of you who do not know who Mark Shulman is, either you're living under a rock or... uh, I don't know. That's the only explanation that I have. He has amassed this amazing career over the past 25, 26 years or so. And he is a first call drummer for many world-class rock and pop artists, artists. Excuse me. He's been voted one of the top three rock drummers in the 2014 Modern Drummer Readers Poll. And having finished his third record-breaking world tour with Pink, featured in that new DVD, The Truth About Love Tour, as well as DVDs from her I'm Not Dead and Funhouse tours. Mark has now joined Cher for her Dress to Kill world tour in 2014. That's just what he's up to now, but he has all kinds of other stuff going on. Uh, he has some drum camps coming up. He's an author of new books. He he does clinics in Europe. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that this guy does, and he's just an awesome guy and a great player, and I'm happy to have him on the show. And we're going to get into that in one second. A quick reminder, I have an ebook called Stick Control Variations. It's 11 different creative exercises that you can use with the book Stick Control, and it has a bunch of dexterity exercises in it and also hand combinations and stuff like that. That. It's typically $9.99. You can get it absolutely 100% free if you sign up for the mailing list at drummersresource.com. As part of that mailing list, you'll also get periodic updates from me. You'll get some other practice techniques. You'll get some different articles. You'll get – I email once in a while, but I don't bombard you with a bunch of stuff. But there's definitely some quality material in those emails. So if you want to sign up for that, just head over to drummersresource.com and sign up for the mailing list. It's right there on the right-hand side of the site. And that's all the talking I'm going to do. We're going to get right into this interview. Mr. Mark Showman. Mark, what's happening, man? Thanks so much for doing this, man. I really do appreciate you having or being on the show. Nick, you are the man. How can I be the man when you're the man? How okay, does, how we does that work? are the men. I like are it. we the man? I don't know. Maybe we're collective. Maybe we'll be like one man. Well, like one, a, one man power. united. You know? Right. <laughs> Although that sounds like a that sounds like a football. I was going to say, isn't that a is that a football team? <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening, man? We were just talking, you know, um, that you're right now. You're in Canada on ter- on tour with Cher. Um, how's that going so far? Uh, we're having a ball. Nice. I mean, she's she's a lovely lady. The band is top class. Um, and uh, we are conquering the world. It's amazing that a 68-year-old woman can be selling out arena tours. She's doing better than Lady Gaga right now. So we're all having a ball and laughing and, and making some money and changing the world as we do. I like it. So I always like to ask, how much interaction – I mean, just Cher is a mega, mega star. Um, how much interaction do you have with her versus other artists that you work with? Well, the interaction with every artist is different. It depends on how much they like to socialize and how much they like to get out. You know, we all hung out yesterday on a day off. It's so so rock and roll. Here's what rock stars do on a day off. Paint pottery. 
So we all got together at one of these pottery painting places. She was there. We were all hanging out, eating pizza, drinking beer and wine, and painting pottery, which for me is great because I have a four-year-old daughter. So I found um, my daughter loves to dress up in high heels, so I found a high heel, and I just gave it my best pottery painting, and then they're baking them and sending them to us. So we hang out. We do. Um, she doesn't come to sound check because she doesn't need to. We do movie nights. Um, she does, she likes to do those. Uh, we do our prayer circle before we go on. So we get, we get a, you know, a decent amount of time to hang out. I mean, it's a very different, very different context for me. Say like when I play with foreigner and foreigners, like a bunch of guys that are all in the band, all in the same bus, we're always hanging out. Right. Uh, Pink was more interactive as well. Also because Pink has a little girl and we had little girls. So we spent more time with her and her family when we were on the road and it just depends, you know, it depends on, on, on the day and the week, but uh, we get our share of time. It's, it's a nice hang. Shares are really lovely and cheeky and funny gal. I mean, she's got, she's got edge, man. You wouldn't think, uh, you know, if you wouldn't know her, you wouldn't think that she's really, her humor is really deep, can be really dark and really biting. And, and yeah, she's, she's got it going on. Cool. Cool. That's You know, cause sometimes, You'll hear people and they're like, ah, I play with this person, but they're, you know, they're kind of a dick or something. You know, they like they don't like the person or or the person doesn't really interact with them or doesn't pay attention to them or anything. So it's cool to hear that the people that you're working with are are very interactive with the band. I think that I think that comes across on stage a lot too. Yeah. I mean, I don't literally I've been so fortunate because I gotta say, every artist that I've worked with has been great, except one. Oh, really? <laughs> who, who's the not one person or do you not want to uh, you know <laughs> uh, i don't know if we need to talk about him but if anybody can figure out looks 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 at my resume of artists and sees who i was touring with in 1989 and 90 you could put it together right um <laughs> i think I, I can already i already had an idea before you said the dates yeah so. but literally everybody else has been so great I, i've been I'm, I'm really fortunate because i i've heard horror stories from a lot of my peers about people they've worked with and, and I generally just had amazing times. I mean, everybody was, most people, you know, when, when given the opportunity, most people in this industry are actually very, very cool and everybody has their moments and everybody gets moody, including me, mm -hmm. but generally speaking, it's, it's great, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of all these people that you've played with, I mean, you've played with Billy Idol, Pink, shared foreigner and I, you have this long list of of credits to you of people that you've played with and i know that a lot of people will look at you and say how the hell did this guy get there how did how did he how did he create this career for himself um so can you give us a little bit of backstory on how you got into playing and how you sort of molded yourself into being the pro level drummer that you are well, I'll say, I'll just, I'll give just a, a few concepts that I firmly believe in. One is that your network really is your net worth. And, nice. you know, networking yourself is one of your greatest assets because, you know, you, people say out of sight, out of mind. I say insight in mind because some of the gigs I've gotten because I happen to be in communication with people that were, that heard about gigs and in, in which would, I would get the opportunity to audition because one of my big fears in life is a missed opportunity. So I always would just want the opportunity to be able to audition or contact somebody. And that's why the networking is so important because there are, at least in Los Angeles, there are no 
music agents. We are basically all independent contractors. Mm -hmm. There's one guy, Barry Squire, who puts together bands. He's the only guy that I know. And some of my younger students I, re I might recommend to Barry, um, most of the gigs he puts together are not gigs that I, that I could even afford to do anymore. But everything else has literally been because of my network and because of my reputation and because of how things have worked in the past. Now, given, having said all that, when you get the opportunity, you must be ready. So um, I have a new book that's coming out, but we're, the, the title is changing, so I'm not even going to mention it, but it's based on three concepts, which is clarity, capability, and confidence. You have to have extreme clarity about your goal and about what you want to accomplish, and then you have to really develop your capability fully. And that's what leads you naturally to true confidence as opposed to false confidence. And true confidence is what you need to be able to be in these world-class situations. And I kind of learned the hard way. Um, I thought I was ready. I auditioned for Bad English back in the day in 1988 or 89, and I failed the audition miserably because of extreme stage fright, which was triggered because I wasn't prepared. And I was speeding up horribly, and I realized, okay, i got to go back to the drawing board. So what I did is I went and I took a rhythm course with Tom Mendola, who's still teaching it, which is basically a course to develop your internal sense of time. And I became so obsessed and developed my internal sense of time so extremely through clapping exercises and then experimenting, sort of playing behind the beat and playing ahead of the beat that I have such a confidence and command with playing because I'm a, you know, I get a lot of these pop gigs, and since my first tour in 1988, I've been playing with click tracks, and I've been work, being able to work and move around the time, and have such a command of the time. That is the foundation, and you'd be amazed how many people, even some great pros, don't have a real command of their internal sense of time, which is the foundation of it. Mm -hmm. So once you have that foundation, then you can build upon it, and you must always network. You must always let people know you exist. Because that's what happened to me. I mean, I had was uh, living in Portland, Oregon in the 80s, and I was had my own original band. And I knew that I could be successful. I knew that I had it in me. And um, there were some of the members of the some of the band members that just really didn't. Because we all have our own limitations that we set, our own prejudices about what we allow ourselves to achieve. And I knew I could achieve some great things. Yet I think some of the band members at some level didn't. They were self-defeating. Mm -hmm. So the band got a demo deal with Atlantic. The band broke up, and I moved back down to Los Angeles, where I came from. Within two months, I got a road gig just based on a suggestion. I mean, some of it is timing, and some of it is luck, certainly, because I had hung out with a drummer named Armin Grimaldi. I had tutored him in English when I was 19 and he was 26. He had been... Claire Fisher's drummer and Don Henley's drummer. And he got recommended for this gig that he couldn't do and recommended me sort of sight unseen because he heard I was back in town. Mm -hmm. And I ended up being put into the situation and I was ready. I had my skill set. I was very clear about what I wanted to do and I was ready. And that was the beginning of my career. And from that point, I just met more and more people. And I also wasn't shy to introduce myself, to call managers directly. Um, that's how things have happened to me. I remember I, I was rehearsing at this rehearsal studio, Leeds, which isn't there anymore. I became friends with the manager. The manager told me that Foreigner was auditioning drummers. This is in 1992. I went down to audition for Foreigner. I ended up getting the gig. And then a month later, I hear from a friend of mine, 
well, foreigners recording and you're not there. What's going on? So I called the manager. I asked him why. I, I said, you know, Kevin, I got the gig. Why am I not recording? He said, because we're working with a producer, Keith Forsey, and Keith doesn't know you. He uses Tal Bergman, who we know is a great right. drummer. And I said, well, okay, can you give me Keith's number? I want to call him. I, you know, I had to have that confidence. So I just got the number, and before I could think too much about it or get too nervous, I just cold-called him and left him a message. And I said, Keith, it's Mark Schulman. I know you don't know me, but I'm the guy that got the foreigner gig. Listen, I know you work with Tal. Tal's great. If Tal ever can't do a gig, give me a call. And sure enough, like three or four months later, um, he gave me a call. And by that point, Foreigner had shelved the stuff they were working on with Keith. They started recording with me. We recorded some songs. We were already going on tour. So then I got back in the Foreigner loop. Then Keith called me, called me down to the studio to play on this track for a Pointer Sisters song. Because um, Keith had done Don't You, you know, uh, Don't You Forget About Me for Simple. Yeah, right, right. He had been Billy Idol's um producer and co-writer so i went down and i just nailed it man i just i my skill set was together it was like i don't know if you remember new jack swing kind of like funky yeah. hard-hitting swing stuff i just nailed that sucker in the first take and he gives gives me a big hug and from that point on i was his first call guy so since keith worked with billy and keith worked with simple minds guess what I got the call to do Billy Idol. I ended up being Billy's drummer for on and off for eight years. Then I ended up leaving the Foreigner tour because I recorded with Simple Minds and they asked me to be on the road. And that was all because I had the, the balls <laughs> to right. make that cold call. And I had the confidence to make the cold call, but I could match it with the capability that I had in the end. And, and that was just the networking. And from that point on, I've just sort of built it up and built it up. And so some of it is timing. Some of it is luck. Some of it is my tenacity and my confidence in my own ability and being willing to make these calls. Makes sense, man. So what's your advice on networking though? Because that's, you know, I, I always feel that people give it like this negative connotation and they, they think that it's, you're out there self-promoting and being like this sleaze ball, which I totally agree. You know, I, I don't think it's that. Um, but a lot of people have a little bit of a prejudice towards networking because they don't want to come off as like trying to do everything, you know, trying to just get everything for themselves. So what's your, what's your approach on it or what's your advice on it? Well, if you see, a McDonald's commercial on the, on the TV. Do you think they're sleaze balls? Uh, well, McDonald's, yes, but no, everybody okay. else. No. <laughs> well, what, what's what's if you see um, uh, um, an Apple commercial right on TV no. for your iPad? Do you think they're sleaze balls? Nope. What are they doing? They're branding and marketing. Mm -hmm. Our our industry is no different. You are a brand that you need to market. If anybody thinks you're being a sleazeball by self-promoting, you're missing the boat and you're in the wrong industry. Get into an industry that you don't think you're a sleazeball to market and self-promote and brand because it's all about branding and marketing and self-promoting because how the hell else are people going to know you exist? Right. And if you're, if you're good at what you do, nobody cares. You know, like if, when, when young drummers contact me and they say, hey, Mark, you know, I, I'm a young drummer. I'm excited. But I, I get excited for them. Like, you know what? you're the guy that's going to be successful. I'm never offended when someone contacts me. Right. I mean, the worst thing I can say is no. The worst thing I could say is I don't know of any gigs right now. Mm -hmm. The best thing I could say is, Hey man, send me or Hey woman. Cause I get a lot of girls now cause I play with pink. Send me a video, send me some audio. And I listen. Mm -hmm. People are open. 
People right. are always open and you never know because that is sort of the, the thing that works. Nothing else works. Even my friends, you know, like if I'm, if I know I'm going to be out of work for a little bit, if I'm between tours, I call everybody now and say, Hey dude, I'm, I mean, I got some time off. If you hear of anything, let me know. Right. I still do it. Yeah. Why not? How else, you, how else are going to people, people going to know you exist? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And you know, the, the common theme of, of most of the people that I interview is that, you know, a lot of people get gigs just the way that you said of, of friends that, you know, friends of friends or, or they worked with this person and they recommended them for this and recommended them for this. And most of it's not, you know, a cattle call going in and, and auditioning for XYZ band and getting the gig out of 300 drummers. Nick, you there? My, my Skype just went to shit. Um, my connection just went bad. Talk again. Oh. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think it, the, the bandwidth just and and the resolution just went down. But uh, do you want to you want to hang up and call again? No, I think it's just I'm in a hotel and it's inconsistent. Okay. As long as you, yeah. Uh, no, I was just mentioning that you know a common theme that we've had uh, that I've had with interviewing everyone is that most of the gigs come out of backyard barbecues or friends that, that have worked with other friends or, you know, people that know each other rather than a cattle call in front of, or, you know, with a hundred different drummers that are, and you get picked out of those hundred drummers. Well, it comes out of both, you know, it, it, it comes out of both. It's like, if there's a cattle call, you go to the cattle call mm -hmm. and you just, you just, you have to take advantage of every opportunity. But I, I agree with you. You know, they talk about the old boys club, like with the politicians all patting each other on the back and doing each other favors. All business is that way. Right. We all hire people that we know and hire people that we trust. And often, you know, we'll hire people that we know. We might hire them over someone who might even be better qualified because we don't know that person. Mm -hmm. So it really all business is a business of relationships. And music is a business. Getting gigs and making money for playing music is a business like any other business. So you got to look at it and treat it like a business because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I love that. I interviewed uh, Russ Miller and I, he has a great quote. And he's like, it's not the it's not the music hang out with your friends. It's the music business. Yeah. You know? And you got to you got to you got to figure out your your niche to to make money. And I think a lot of people once in a while people get a little weird about it and say, well, I just play for the love of playing music. And that's fine if you don't want to make any money then go get a nine to five job and play on the weekends. Yeah. Which yeah. really works for a lot of people right. and it takes the pressure off of them. And that's why you have a lot of people that just aren't, aren't built to take that chance. Right. Um, but the funny thing is all industries are <laughs> inconsistent and vulnerable. I mean, there are very few industries that, you know, I mean, you know, you look at you call college grads and people with master's degrees are competing voraciously for gigs right now. I mean, the entire world it has become more competitive. Sure. So, you know, it's not, you know, the music built business from that standpoint is not any more of a crapshoot than anything else. I mean, the music business itself, if I have to be perfectly honest, it has atrophied a little bit mm -hmm. and there aren't as many opportunities. But if you compare it to other businesses, you know, 10 years ago, you could have a bachelor's degree in something and pretty well be guaranteed a job. Whereas now, if you have a master's degree in the same thing, 10 years later, you're not guaranteed a job. It's a challenge in all industries now, frankly. Mm -hmm. So if you are that passionate, if you have that drive, because the thing is, like, I just couldn't do anything else. You know, it, 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 it wouldn't have 
I wouldn't have listened. My drive was so strong that, that I wouldn't have listened to anybody. My parents were both professors. My dad has a PH, had a PhD in English. You know, the last thing they wanted was to cultivate a damn drummer. <laughs> it was so close. It just, nobody could, could I, I wouldn't have stopped at anything. Right. And if you're that person and you're willing to do the work, make the connections, and build true confidence through your capability, then you the cream rises to the top. There sure. are gigs. Mm-hmm. And if you're that person and you're that tenacious and you want it that much, then you'll figure out a way. Now, when when kids are not even kids, but people that are that are trying to do this professionally, and I know that you see a lot of them, you get emails from them and phone calls and people ask you questions at clinics and things like that. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about about succeeding in, in the music industry? <sighs> Probably one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that someone's going to do it for you. <laughs> right. Or that, you know, there's going to be, you know, oh, you know, you will just, it'll magically appear. You'll magically get that gig or some record company is going to seek your band out and discover your band. I mean, it used to happen that way. It's a completely different industry. If you're trying to make it with a band, you, it's a self-generated business. I did a DVD, a produced a DVD called A Day in the Recording Studio, all about being able to record your own drum tracks. Mm-hmm. And there, there's two reasons for that. One, people have asked me, how do I become a studio musician? And the reality is that there's a, a, a couple of guys that can make a living as studio musicians. The rest of us, we create recording environments on our own, and we have people that are doing self-finance projects pay us to record. And, you know, someone sends me an MP3 and in less than an hour, if it's a standard pop song, I've recorded two takes. I've charted it, recorded two takes, give them, given them alternate fills, alternate um, um, verses and choruses, and uploaded it on FTP site, and all the money goes in my pocket. So right. I'm a session drummer for all these people now. If you have your own band, you need to be, do the same thing because record companies will now only sign a band that's already generating interest, that has already sold at least 5,000 units, already has their, their um, image, their marketing, their branding in place. So you're actually doing their job. And that's the, I, the irony of it is you can make more money now if you're a band that's touring and selling your own product you can make more money on your own than if you were signing with a label. Because once you sign with a label, you got to sell a quarter million records to break even. Right. So it's a different industry than it used to be. It's a self-generated industry. And because of that, though, as a musician, you can make money doing sessions for people. If you're doing these self-financed sessions, and almost every session I do is just somebody paying for it themselves. Right. That's just how it goes, you know? So you want to be, you want to have a basic understanding of recording, get, get, a, get a basic computer with an audio card, get some mics, and a digital, you know, a, a digital converter, and start being able to record, because in the end, that's probably how you're going to do most of your recording. I mean, you talked about Russ Miller. Russ is probably one of the few guys that makes his solid living doing sessions in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to, to Dave Weckl. Dave Weckl, when I talked to him a few years ago at the NAMM show, hadn't left his own studio in a year. He just does everything in his own studio because. Right. To go to an external studio, you got to pay five hundred bucks minimum for a room, five hundred bucks minimum for an engineer. You paid a thousand dollars and haven't played a note. Right. So it's a self-generated business. That's why I did the DVD. Pick it up if you guys are interested. I'm not doing this to promote myself, but it's a great freaking um, opportunity for everybody to be able to do that. 
And I'll, like I said, I'll, I always link um, all, you know, all the information back to Drummer's Resource, and that way people can find all the stuff out. So I'll put the DVD on there, uh, drummersresource.com. You'll be session 48. So drummersresource.com forward slash session 48. I'll have all the, I'll have like your DVD and, and all the, all the information um, to get to you. Um, so the, the one thing that, that I really love about, your whole message is the motivational side of things. And that's something that, that really speaks to me. And I know it speaks to a lot of other drummers as well. Um, can we, let's touch on that a little bit about, about that side of, of the business that you're in and, and you know, what motivates you and motivation that you can give to other people? Well, you need motivation period. You need motivation to live. <laughs> sure. It's a very broad based term. So what motivates me is I, I love music. I get very excited when I hear something new or something old that turns me on. I become more emotional. My old age music will make me cry. I mean, I'm still motivated by the very thing that motivated me in the beginning, which is I just love to play drums. And I love to play music. That's very motivating. And then what motivates me to make a living and to, and to do the work because I do the work. I'm always writing and I'm, you know, wrote a book, I did a DVD, is that I want to take care of my family. You know, I've got a little girl. Um, I had testicular cancer when I was younger. I thought and I was told that I would never father a child. So I sort of accepted that and took that as my viewpoint. Now, viewpoint is where you're looking from. It's what you believe to be true. It's your basic sort of um, thought processes. Mm -hmm. But viewpoint is your attitude. And you can shift or change your attitude or your viewpoint at any point. So if you realize your viewpoint isn't working for you, you shift it. And when I met my wife, Lisa, in 2006, we got married in 2008. And I knew she wanted to have kids with a you know, little help of medical science and nothing short of a miracle. She got pregnant in 2009. And we had my first kid, my only kid, my daughter's aide, in 2010 when I was 48 years old. So I'm That's a guy awesome, that believes that, that, that anything is possible with the right motivation, the right attitude, the right desire, and the willingness to do the work. So I go back to the three C's from my book, Clarity, Capability, and Confidence. Be really clear on what it is you want. And that might change, but be really clear on what it is you want and develop your capability, your skill set around that clarity and be willing to do the work. And every day, just look at that end result. Look at the goal. What do you want? What is the end result? That's the motivation. That's the thing that's going to that's going to inspire you to do the work and bring about real confidence to enable you to get there. It's very simple. If you if you can see yourself on that big stage playing in front of all those people, you see it every day. You see the goal. If your goal is to make a certain amount of money, how much money? When do you want to make it? Like I'm working on another project. I'm keeping silent, but I'm working on a writing project with my studio partner Julian, and. We have a goal. My goal is I want to make a certain amount of money, and I'm going to make a certain amount of money by this certain amount of time. I set a very clear goal. It's clear. It's clean. There's nothing nebulous, nothing, you know, more crystal clear your goal is, the more motivated you are. You have a crystal clear goal. You can look at, you can see, you might have a few of them. You might have, and you might have, there are short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. Mm -hmm. Say, you're, you know, your short-term goal is, I want to be able to play the snare etude at 90 beats per minute and I could play it at 60. Well, how long should you practice? 
as long as it fucking takes. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, if you have a clear goal, you will get there. That's if your, goal is, if your goal is cloudy, you won't. So you want motivation? Have a clear goal. Mm-hmm. And look at these goals and think about really what matters to you. What do you really want? And, you know, you can have some musical goals, some monetary goals, some relationship goals. And when those goals are clear, you wake up in the morning, you think about those goals, and you start also tabulating what we call your wins. So when you have a little successes that move you toward those goals, acknowledge them. Pay attention to your wins. Mm-hmm. What wins did you have yesterday relative to your goal? What wins, do, what, do, what wins do you anticipate having in the future? What wins do you anticipate having today? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in other words, the motivation is, is having is the clarity, is having things really crystal clear about what you want to accomplish and when do you want to accomplish it. Because yeah. that's pretty damn motivating. If you don't have those clear goals, it's hard to be motivated. And, you know, a lot of people say that, and I totally agree with it because everything I do is, I mean, I have my six months goals written out my three month, my one month, my daily weekly. Um, and you know, saying, Oh, I want to make a lot of money or I want to play a bigger with bigger artists or something like that. It's such an arbitrary goal that how do you know one? How do you know if you're there? What's a lot of money? What's who's a big artist, you know? Um, so when you were, when you were building your career and even now, but did you, did you really get really detailed with that stuff and write everything down and, and track it every day and things like that? Or was it, was it a little less? I, you know, back then I didn't. I, mm-hmm. I actually am more detailed with it now. Um, but I knew that I had the goal, that my goal was that I wanted to be a successful drummer playing on big stages with big artists. I didn't have any monetary goal. And that was that was probably a mistake because, honestly, I, I've made a real good amount of money and I haven't been as good at saving and investing the money as I wanted to. Now I have very clear saving and investing goals. I'm actually obsessed with them because I didn't have those goals when I was younger. So now they're crystal clear. Mm -hmm. Now I'm achieving them because they are crystal clear. So the mistake I made was not having specific monetary goals. I got you. But I did have specific goals about what I wanted to accomplish as far as being a drummer. Mm -hmm. And my, my goal is I wanted to play on big stages with pop acts and I didn't even have a time frame um, because I just um, when I when I left my band and moved down to Los Angeles, it happened so quickly for me because I was so, so excited and so motivated to just meet people and let everybody know that I existed and let everybody know that I was ready because I knew I was ready to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then as I developed my and I, the, the, here's the funny part about it, though, I I also had that that bad English audition right around the same time when I moved down to L.A. So although on one hand I knew that I had developed my internal sense of time, I was working my ass off and I was also promoting myself and trying to get gigs and auditioning and going on the road. So I was doing it all at the same time. I got you. That's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work, but I was willing to do the work. I'm still willing to do the work. I work hard. The older I get, the harder I work. Yeah. I like the work. I like to do the work. It keeps me interested you know, when I go on the road, I'm, I, I'm, I wake up and I think of, okay, what can I do to advance my career? You know, because I'm doing clinics, sessions, corporate speaking gigs now, um, 
have a, I have my literary agent pitching my, you know, shopping my book. I'm with the biggest literary agent in the business. We've got interest. We've already had one meeting with one publisher. So it's like, okay, how can I expand? I'm, I'm doing a big sh showcase for corporate speaking gigs. So how can I expand on what I'm doing? I practice my speech every day. You know, I'm always doing stuff and working because doing the work, a, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Tim Sanders, who's a very successful author and thinker and speaker, and, you know, his quote, he said, the great thing about being an entrepreneur is you get to choose which 16 hours a day you're going to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you got to do the work. Yeah. You do the work. I agree. <laughs> it's and so funny. Like my, my fiance quit her nine to five job to start her own agency. Um, yeah. And she, because she didn't want to work for somebody else anymore. And now she works double the amount of hours that she worked before. Course, but it's her business, and and, right. and the return is so much greater. It is, and I bet she's focused as hell. Oh, she is. And yeah, that's what that's what motivates her. You talk about motivation. She's got a strong motivation. It's her own business. She has so much to do. She probably doesn't even have time to think about what's motivating her. She's just doing work. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, what's one of your favorite motivational books? Oh, there's quite a few of them. I'm. I'm. I. I love Malcolm Gladwell. I've read Me every too. one of his books. Um, I'm reading John Cow's book called Jamming, which is all about you know how to apply creativity and innovation in the corporate world. Um, I used to read a lot of Wayne Dyer. I've read plenty of Tony Robbins. Um, one of my mentors, Dr. Jim Samuels, has written this book called Reminding, all about conditioning your mind, your memory, as, as memory training is conditioning your mind. Um, my gosh, you know, seven habits of successful people by Stephen Covey is mm -hmm. like a Bible. Um, anything you can get your hands on. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, I'm a big, I'm a big book guy. So that's why I, I wanted to ask, yeah. I guess that was more of a selfish question. Like I, I listen. No, it's okay. It's, it's not selfish. I mean, I just like anything you can get your hands on. Then someone will say, have you read the, blah, blah, blah. you know, the power of now mm -hmm. is a great book. Um, Think and Grow Rich is probably my favorite. Think and Grow Rich, yeah, of course. I mean, I read that years ago. I haven't read it lately, mm. but that was sort of the Bible for me 10 years ago. Um, I probably should read it again. It's always good to kind of read and reread those books. You know, any anything that's going to move you forward, that's going to inspire you to, to do the work and to also give you another viewpoint about how to shift your, shift your thinking slightly. That's all great. Mm -hmm. The War of Art is a good book, too. You mean the art of war? No, the war of art. The war of art. Never heard of it. Yeah, I'll try. I'll write that down. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Excellent. The war of art. Writing it down now. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, man. I I actually put together on the drummer's resource on tools of the trade. I put together like a, a ton of books, and every time I read a new book, I usually put it up there and and give a little um a little background on the book, just to you know things that I think maybe drummers could could get something out of. So. So. Oh yeah, hold um, Tony Shea's "Delivering Happiness" is a big one for me too. Yeah, that's a great book too. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I actually just so finished. Tony's that. become a friend of mine because he actually uh, I interviewed him in my book, and he's just got this amazing corporate culture. It's like a big party, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Trevor and Vegas do the Zappos tour because they're, they're the big online real retail retailer, and they're just it's just the most amazing environment, you know. Really. Huh. Yeah, I, I will definitely, uh, I'll definitely do that. Absolutely. So, oh, and Tim Sanders, 
another one of my buddies and, and, and I consider him one of my mentors. Anything, Tim uh, wrote Love is the Killer App, um, which is his first book, which is a, um, a best-selling book. And just all, you know, again, like corporate, sort of how things relate to the corporate environment. Right. Uh, but he's just, he's a musician as well. Like we played in a band together. So Love is a Killer App and, you know, Think and Grow Rich is his new book. Anything by Tim Sanders is great. You should read at least one, one of his first two books. Hold on. The second book is called, um, oh, The Likeability Factor. Brilliant, brilliant book. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, Love is a Killer App. How to Win Business and Influence Friends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So talk about a great book about networking because he's a communications expert. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's what I read that I'd suggested um, for networking that How to Win Friends and Influence People book. Yeah. Well, how do you read Tim's book? Because it's such an easy and and just such a great read, you know. Nice. So I'll link to all these on the on the show notes page for everybody to check out too. If yeah, there's any yeah. if there's any avid readers out there. So let's get into this triple threat drum camp that you have going on. It's you, Daniel Glass, who's a good friend of mine, and Bruce Becker, who I actually interviewed for here, who hooked us up, who who hooked you and I up. Um, yeah. So thank you, Bruce, for for hooking us up. If you're listening, um, so you guys have this. It's a it's a three day. Uh, it's a three-day drum camp, right? The 18th, 19th, and 20th in Woodland yeah. Hills, California, July 18th to the 20th. Tell us about this thing because this this is an awesome event, man. Well, you know, you have you have the 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 triad of guys that we have one link in common, which is we're all students of Freddie Gruber. Freddie was considered to be the greatest, one of the great great drum instructors of of all time, mm-hmm. and before he died. Steve Smith, Neil Peart, Dave Wackel, all studied with him. Um, he was just like the guru of technique, you know, took all the best parts of Moeller, um, the best parts of Buddy Rich because he studied Buddy, he was Buddy's best friend, and um, enlightened all of us and expanded all of our, our viewpoints about drumming. Now, Bruce studied with Freddie longer than anybody else, and Bruce has sort of taken all of Freddie's teachings and expanded upon them. So he is one of the most brilliant teachers, and he's a great drummer. He's a great friend. I've known Bruce since elementary school. So Bruce got me to study with Freddie when I was a kid, although I went on the road and didn't continue my studies. So when I study now, I study with Bruce. Now, Daniel was also a study of, uh, student of Freddie's, and that's how Bruce and Daniel met. And I met Daniel through Bruce years ago, and Daniel's such a brilliant, brilliant drummer in all areas, not just in the swing revival area. And Daniel is also the foremost historian on American drumming now. And so he's an amazing speaker, and he talks about how the, you know, the, 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 how the history will impact your playing now. And my speciality, as I said, is is um, big arena drumming, so to speak, and recording. So between all of us, we are hitting every component of drumming. It is going to be three days of the most amazing content and so much fun because we're going to do a full day in the studio. Students can do private lessons with Daniel and Bruce and, and it's not just one guy teaching each day. We're all going to be teaching every day and feeding on each other um, with, with full studies of technique, of, again, developing your eternal sense of time, of history, of different styles, of different approaches, and, and how to capture yourself 
on tape, so to speak, with recording. Right. right. So it really is just, it's so comprehensive and it's so expansive because there are many other camps you'll do, but every other camp, because I've taught many, many other camps, all the other camps are different teachers teaching their thing, but you rarely get three people coming together and unifying their teaching. And that's what makes this especially fun, especially effective. And it's in Southern sunny California in the middle of summer. So (laughs) So I'm looking, I'm reading all through the stuff. It says, all students of the legend, legendary Freddie Gruber, Shulman Glass and Becker offer up a unique program that will cover such various topics as technique, evolution, or technique, quarter note pulse, evolution, history of the rhythm section, understanding shuffles, preparation, the big picture, nerve breakers, conquering life, stage frights, drum recording seminar, tuning, technique, charting, miking, processing, interfacing, or interfacing, editing. Uh, hand and bass drum technique, history of the Freddie Gruber approaches and techniques, specific jazz and rock technical analysis and execution. That's a lot of information in one seminar, so to speak. That's great, yeah, man. It is. That's um, great. It really is. <laughs> so you guys, so the best way that they can check this out, I'm going to put the link on on Drummer's Resource so everybody has it. Um, and I know it's on musomart.com, right? Um, yes, it's on musomart.com. Okay, and that's uh, July 18th to the 20th. It's at the Hilton Hotel in yes. Woodland Hills, California, man, in sunny California. And Woodland Hills, just so you know, that is where I grew up. That is my stomping ground, baby. Really? Yep. Nice. A little, a little homecoming, so to speak. So where do you live now? I live in Westlake Village. Oh, okay, nice, nice. And I, I was on the cover of Musician's Friend recently, and mm-hmm. they shot all the video and all the photos at my house, which was super cool. <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So what do you have after the, uh, after the clinic? Uh, you had mentioned you're also going to Europe to do some clinics over there. So, and I know- yeah, and I'm doing my UK, my UK clinic tour, Scotland, Wales, and, and uh, England. Because I know we have, some, we have a lot of European listeners on the, for the podcast, too, so... Um, I'll link up that information as well. So when, when is that? That's, um, let me just make sure I get the dates right. Hi, hold on a second. That is, I will tell you the specific dates. It's the 27th in Glasgow, the 28th in Liverpool, the 29th in Cardiff, the 30th in Bournemouth, and the 31st at, in London. Awesome. And everything's, you know, everybody should check out my site. It's markshulman.com. Um, to check out the full schedule. Uh, you can also go to, uh, for you UK drummers, uh, Mike Dolbear is the one that's sponsoring the, the clinic tour for me. Everybody knows Mike over there. You can go to MikeDolbear.com because um, he always has all the details and stuff. Cool. And like I said, I will link to, uh, link to all this stuff so that anybody who wants to check it out can check it out. I strongly advise you guys to go and, and to go to this, uh, this clinic in LA though. Um, it's, I've studied with Daniel, and Daniel's a, an amazing teacher. Mark's resume speaks for himself. Bruce is a great teacher. We interviewed him on here, of those of you who have listened to him. And uh, and he also sent me a copy of his D- DVD, which I've been actually working through, and it's great, man. It's been really loosening up my hands. Um, so definitely check that out. You can check all the information out at drummersresource.com forward slash session 48. And Mark, what's one lasting piece of advice that you can give for, for drummers who, uh, who are coming up now? Well, you know, 
<clears throat> pay attention. Pay attention to others' needs and wants and be the one that listens. Because if you're the one that listens, people are going to want to have you back. And remember, as drummers, I believe we are the shepherds of the band. If everybody else around me is taken care of, I'm taken care of. So I always like to be the one that supports, loves, that, you know, when we're getting, when we're walking, I walk behind everybody, make sure everybody gets in first, make sure. I just naturally became the shepherd because to me, the drummers, we are the foundation. We're the brick and mortar. We're the concrete on which everything else is built. So I use that metaphorically and literally to be that guy that, you know, does everything I can do to help everybody be taken care of around me. And I believe that that's a, a, a wonderful and honorable way to work and always just be willing to give, give, give. The more you give, the more you receive. Um, give your licks away. Give your, your, your contacts away. Give everything away. Because I firmly believe if you're the one that's willing to give, you will receive. And you will receive because you're truly giving. Mm hmm. I I totally agree. There's a uh, Gary Vaynerchuk just came out with that book with jab, 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 right hook, which is basically give, 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 give. And then maybe ask if you need something. Right. Yeah. You know, which I love. And so. it's OK to ask. I'm, I'm not I, I'm willing to ask as well. Sure. Um, but I think that's because I'm 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 so willing to give that, you know, don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to put it out there. I mean, remember, if you. Uh, if your intention is strong, if your clarity is strong, your capability is strong, have the confidence to put forth what you want, who you want it with, and be very, very specific about it. All good pieces of advice, man. All good pieces of advice. All right, brother. Mark, thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate you taking all this time. I know you're you're a very busy man, and uh, and the knowledge that you gave is good for me and also for the listeners, so I appreciate it. Listen up, everybody. Please check out Mark. Uh, go to markshoman.com and also you know check out that drum clinic and also his clinics in Europe. See him on the road with Cher, and, uh, man, you'll see him all over the place. So just keep an eye out for him, and, and, and thank you again, Mark. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure, Nick. You're the man. <laughs> so are you, man. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'll be talking to you soon. All right, bye. All right, see you. So there you have it, Mr. Mark Shulman. You can check him out at markshulman.com. And all of the things that we talked about in the podcast, you can find at drummersresource.com forward slash session 48. So it has all the information about his drum clinic with Daniel Glass and Bruce Becker and has all the information on his European clinic tour, his DVD, all of that stuff. Links to that are on drummersresource.com forward slash session 48. And also the books that I mentioned that I've read and that I I suggest other people write. You can find at drummersresource.com forward slash tools of the trade. There's a bunch of tools on there from drumming books to motivational books to places for CD duplication and insurance stuff so you can insure your gear, which I highly recommend. There's a ton of different resources on there. So go on there, drummersresource.com forward slash tools of the trade. And if you want my ebook, Stick Control Variations, it's typically $9.99, but you can get it 100% free by signing up for the mailing list at drummersresource.com. So visit us, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource, Instagram at drummersresource, Twitter at drummersrsource. And until next week, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.